0: interac helps canadians access funds their way products like interac debit and interac e have made money mobile taking it from the confines of traditional banking and ushering it into the digital age as consumers adapt to new technology so does interac learn more at newsroom.interac.ca Good morning, thank you. My name is Alex Patterson. I am the Executive Director of Canada 2020. Thank you very much for being here today at our National Pharmacare Forum. I'd like to open by acknowledging that we are on the traditional and unceded territory of the Algonquin people. So today, we're here to engage in discussion on the National Pharmacare Initiative, The federal government has laid the groundwork for a national plan with measures announced in Budget 2019, following up on an extensive consultation period with, I'm assuming, many people in this room. As we await the task force report from Dr. Eric Hoskins, there is a lively debate about the scope, shape and goals of a national pharmacare plan, one that improves access and affordability for Canadians. Today we will hear from stakeholders across the health system. We'll hear interesting public opinion polling and fiscal projections, as well as as the perspectives of patient advocacy groups, insurance providers, and the pharmaceutical industry. It is fitting then that we begin our session with remarks and conversation with the Honorable Jeanette Petipa-Taylor, our Minister of Health. Minister Petipa-Taylor serves the good people of Moncton Riverview Dieppe and was appointed to her role as Minister of Health in October of 2017. Minister Petipa-Taylor will join us for remarks and then an on-stage Q&A afterwards with yours truly, so please have your questions ready. A round of applause for the Minister.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. It's an absolute pleasure to be here with all of you. I have to say, I left Moncton, New Brunswick yesterday, and it was nice and sunny. Um, And someone in the plane told me that Mother Nature must be in menopause right now because she can't decide if she's hot or she's cold. Uh, But this morning when I came up, I was feeling a little bit uh, chilly. Uh, But anyways, hopefully uh, spring will be upon us very soon, and summer is right around the corner. When introducing the Medical Care Act over 50 years ago now, my predecessor, the late Alan MacEachen, proclaimed the words that have become the hallmark of our system, and I quote, that all Canadians should be able to obtain health services of high quality, according to their need for such services, and irrespective of their ability to pay. We all know that Canada's healthcare system is one of the most cherished national symbols, right up there with our flag, our armed forces, and our constitution. It's almost a cliché, as many Canadians who spent time in the U.S. can attest. Canadians are proud of their healthcare system, and we don't need polls to tell us that. It's about the values that we hold dear as Canadians. It's about taking care of each other, and it's about who we are as Canadians. Yet, we're not blind to our system's faults, and one big fault is the access to prescription medication. So let me just give you one example. Diabetes affects nearly 1 in 10 Canadians. And as a country, we spend almost $600 million annually on oral and anti-diabetic drugs. The two top-selling drugs cost close to $1,000 per patient each and every year. In France, they cost half. This means that if we paid France's price, it would save almost $200 million every year, and that's just for diabetes. Think of the difference that money could make if we were reinvesting it in our healthcare system. But we don't even need to talk about the opportunity costs to understand the impact of high drug prices and gaps in coverage. One in five Canadians say that they are either underinsured or uninsured. In addition, every year, one Over one million Canadians give up basic necessities such as food and heat for being able to afford affordable medication. But this isn't just a a statistic. In my previous career as a social worker, it's a tragic tableau that I saw time and time again. I can remember on many, many occasions that I would accompany my clients at the hospital and they were seen uh, and examined by doctors. And at the end of the visit, the doctor would provide them with a a prescription. And I can tell you honestly, many of my clients simply looked at the prescription and looked at me and said, what do you want me to do with this? And it's not that they didn't know what to do with it, but they simply knew that they could not afford it. And they had no way to pay for it. I know we can do better, and we will. Canadians should not have to choose between paying for prescription medication and putting food on the table. It's just not right. Right. That's exactly why that we created the Advisory Council on the implementation of a National PharmaCare program last year. The Council was tasked with leading a national dialogue on what options for a National PharmaCare program might look like. It has seven distinguished members reflecting Canada's regional and cultural diversity. Over the past year, the Council has been consulting with lead and leading discussions and now has heard from more than 32,000 Canadians. In March, we received their interim report and promptly acted on it. Our Budget 2019 lays out the groundwork for a National Pharmacare, with several bold steps that will help make prescription drugs more affordable and more accessible. Chief among these is the creation of the Canadian Drug Agency, which will negotiate savings on prescription drugs and has the potential to save Canadians some $3 billion. It will build on the success of the Pan-Canadian Pharmaceutical Alliance, a group that combines the negotiation power with provincial and territorial and federal drug plans. So far, it has negotiated savings on more than 250 brand names and 60 generic drugs. But that's not all. Over the past years, I've had the privilege of meeting with many Canadians with rare disease and devoted people who care for them, and many of them parents. While the disease themselves are rare, those affected with these diseases certainly aren't. Rare diseases touches the lives of about 1 in 12 Canadians, and two-thirds of those clients are children. These folks are already dealing with enough challenges without the astronomical cost of drugs, which can range from $100,000 to upwards of $2 million per patient every year. These prices are often so high that insurance plans can't afford them and it can take a long time to come to an agreement on price and that's all while while patients wait. Access and affordability really go hand in hand. And that's why that in Budget 2019, we've made unprecedented commitments to help provinces and territories make drugs for rare diseases more affordable. It invests up to a billion dollars over two years Starting in 2022, with an upwards of a half a billion dollars annually every year from there. This historic investment is a part of our new national strategy for high-cost drugs for rare diseases. It will ensure that those who need treatment get them by gathering evidence, making decision-making and access more consistent across Canada and negotiating with manufacturers. I look forward to seeing the difference it makes in the lives of Canadians with rare diseases. We are also reviewing drugs and medical devices more quickly and finding ways to support innovative treatments. My department has accelerated the review of many new medicines and we continue to expedite more so Canadians can get access to them faster. This is especially important for Canadians with rare diseases as almost one-third of all applications for new drugs are expedited reviews drugs for rare diseases. We've taken steps to reduce the time between our approval and recommendation for reimbursement so that new medicines will be covered by plans sooner. And finally, we're modernizing the special access program to better meet the needs of patients and physicians. In conclusion, I want to state clearly that we are all aware of the challenges that we face. Yet to paraphrase John F. Kennedy, we chose to do it not because it is easy, but because it is hard. We are well on our way, yet we will not rest until all Canadians get the medication that they, that they need and that they can afford. Thank you so much for your time, and I look forward to having uh, a chance to engage with you.
0: Uh, Minister, thank you very, very much. Um, I I know that we're a little crunch for time, so I am. we're going to go right to audience questions, and I think we've got a couple of roaming mics in the room. While we get one set up, and, and if you do have a question, just pop your hand up and, and Mira or Carolyn will, will come on by. While we're waiting for our first question to be set up, though, a framing question for you. Uh, We are in May right now, you know, election will be called uh, in October, we're heading into a campaign season. We had Minister uh, Bernadette, Bernadette Jordan in our space last week and we were talking about connectivity and her ambitious plans around rural economic development and, and she's got some big plans and big ideas between now and, and, and not a lot of time to do it. So I, an opening and a framing question for you, um, what can we expect between now and when the writ drops in terms of making progress on some of your bigger ideas that were introduced in budget 2019?
1: Specific to PharmaCare, I'm assuming? Yeah, because there's many items that have been mentioned Mm. in the budget. But I can tell you, when we stop and think of a national PharmaCare program, we've been working um, on this initiative, not just over the past year, but since we've formed government. We recognize that if we want to put together a National Pharmacare program to meet the needs of Canadians, the first thing that we needed to do was start to lower the drug, the price of, of, of drugs in this country. Without doing so, we won't be able to afford a National Pharmacare program. So there's been much work that's been underway in order to start that work. Last year was a very much an important step, however, uh, and. Um, with respect to putting together the advisory council. I was criticized last year by some saying that it took too long for us to put together the advisory council. But we really wanted to make sure that we had the right members sitting on this council, so it wasn't just choosing anyone. We wanted to make sure that we had experts in different fields, and we felt very, very good with the council members that finally were selected. And they've been really busy this year. Uh, So as a result, uh, we're going to be taking that information that they're going to be bringing to us later on within the next few weeks. And I know everyone in the room is anxiously awaiting their final recommendations with respect to the report. But from there, we're going to be working forward on working on those recommendations. Uh, Then from there, we have, uh, as you've indicated, an election that's coming up. So platform issues are going to have to be looked at. But again, the work needs to continue with respect to lowering the cost of drugs uh, in order to move forward with, uh, with a plan for Canadians that meets the needs of Canadians.
0: Question in front here.
2: Hi, Minister. Uh, my name is Ceci Sanchi. I'm a reporter with Hill Times Research, and I cover health. Um, my question is actually about something we haven't talked a lot about when it comes to pharmacare, which is the technology infrastructure. Um, that was one of the key recommendations of the interim report. Just curious as to whether... Your government's making any moves in that area. We know about the drug agency. What about the technology that is actually supposed to connect the provinces together?
1: Well, with respect to that, as you've indicated, with respect to the investments in budget 2019 that we announced, the creation of the drug agency was first of all that foundational piece that we need. With whatever option or program uh, that we are going to choose for a national pharmacare program, we certainly recognize that that was the foundational piece. Moving forward with respect to that infrastructure, that is certainly steps that we're going to have to be taking. Uh, and again, all of our partners will be working together in order to make sure that we move forward with respect to the work that needs to be done in that area as well. Uh, but as of now, um, uh, the first step is really putting together this Canadian drug agency. We recognize that that's really number one, and that's the work that we're moving forward with immediately. Uh, but again, recognizing there's a lot of other pieces
3: that need to, to, to be put in place. Durham Han with the Canadian Organization for Rare Disorders. Obviously, a huge, huge thank you in terms of what the ministry has done, uh, what Dr. Hoskins has done, We felt very, very strongly that um, the consultation process was amazing and we're really gratified that at the end he seemed, you know, there certainly was a lot of listening. So we really are very, very um, appreciative of everything that's done. And certainly in the budget, the reflection there. Um, Some people have challenged us to say, well, it's not going to start to 2022. But I think for us, this is a great opportunity to think about how do we put that plan together and make sure it's used. I mean, nobody expects that a half a million dollars a year is going to pay for all the drugs. But this is a great opportunity to think about how do we deploy that. So I think that's been huge, huge for us, and we really appreciate it. Don't wanna sound ungrateful, and don't wanna put a negative spin on it, but we do have some huge concerns, and I think as I've written to you before, is that on the flip side of it, the consultations around PMPRB and the Patent Medicine Price Review Board have been the flip side. We all agree, and there's nobody agrees more strongly than the rare disease patients, that we need to actually have prices for drugs that are not only in line with other countries, but obviously affordable. We, We strongly agree, we support that, we will work for that. We are very concerned that the process by which this is being proposed is actually going to make everything that we're doing in terms of making drugs available absolutely moot because those drugs are gonna have a very difficult time coming to Canada in a timely fashion. It's not that we're against lowering prices and having a strategy for it, it's just that the approach that's being taken is one that's gonna be so detrimental and nobody seems to be willing to actually consider the options. I sit on the steering committee And I don't want to tell tales out of school, but as a steering committee, we've been told, these are the alternative, this is the plan. This is what we've got, and I think other people in that steering committee will say that. You may not propose alternatives. You may not look at other ways that we can achieve this that will not harm the the provision of drugs. We don't understand that. This is so opposite of what Dr. Hoskins did and ended up with what I think was a really good proposal that actually does meet the needs of Canadians. And I'm just pleading to you, before we go down that route, can we not just say we all have alternatives and it is so, so frustrating that we're not able to do that, because all the great things we're doing towards farming care are going to be absolutely cut off because of what we're not doing in terms of looking at how we can make those prices <coughs> affordable, but not in a way that's going to harm people. Well,
1: thank you so much for your question. Uh, when it comes to you know, modernizing the Patented Medicine Prices Review Board, we certainly recognize there's a lot of work that's been done and a lot of work that's underway. I think we have to keep in mind that when it comes to the PMPRB, the rules haven't been updated since the 1980s. And there's been a lot of progress and a lot of changes when it comes to pharma and medications you know, over the past decades, and we certainly have to look at that. And at the end of the day, as we've indicated, we certainly want to make sure uh, that the regulatory changes are going to meet our goals with respect to you know, reducing you know, the price of drugs. Oftentimes, when I do talks, I tell people, we're not looking for a bargain basement price of drugs here. But we simply want to make sure that Canadians are paying, you know, what they should be paying. When we look at other countries, and we recognize, and I'm sure that everyone in the room here is aware that we are, we, we are the third country that pays the highest for drugs, uh, you know, in the world. And when we look at the comparable countries that are out there, I think it's really important to make sure that we compare ourselves to similar countries. Uh, If we look at Germany, if we look at the UK, if we look at, you know, so I think that we have to look at, you know, ways that we can certainly, you know, uh, do that. Uh, And a lot of work has been done. I know that there's been a lot of concern with respect to the proposed changes when it comes to, you know, different regulations. And that's why that we called upon uh, David Dodge, the former governor of the Bank of Canada as well. You know, we got, we thought, let's have an independent person that's quite respected, and I would think that David Dodge is one of those individuals. And he came back as well, you know what I mean, and reviewed, um, you know, the, what we were proposing. And, you know, he, he as well indicated that he felt that, you know, it was, it was, you know, a good path. So, again, we continue to do some work with respect, you know, to the regulations. We have had consultations with many, uh, and we are listening. I don't want you to I don't want you to think that we're not listening. But at the end of the day, I also truly feel that when we look at the comparator countries that we're with, work needs to be done in that area. Because when we look at the the, the countries that are there that we have the UK, you know, Swiss Switzerland and Canada, you know, we've got the top two there and then us. So looking at how we can do that, I think, you know, is going to be a step in the right direction.
0: Maybe a question at the back there.
2: Thank you, Louise Binder, Save Your Skin Foundation. Um, I also would like to thank you for uh, digging into the uh, grime of PharmaCare for, I think, about the third round since I've been around which tells you something. The big issue for me is always duplication and efficiencies uh, because the faster we get things done, the sooner patients can get access and I appreciate you saying that you're gonna work on that. A Couple of areas of duplication that concern me at the federal level. Um, To uh, Durhane's point, I don't understand the duplication of health technology assessment work that's proposed under the PMPRB regulations that's already actually being done at Catathin and Ness. So I'm not sure there's any value added there, and, and I agree also that we need the right basket of countries. In fact, I've been arguing that for more than 20 years, so I'd just like to hear about that. And I'm a bit concerned about your new drug agency, just in terms of what's the value added and and so on. PCPA, uh, I think, tries to do a very good job but could do better with uh, with more negotiating skills and managed entry agreements and risk sharing agreements and so on. So what's the, I just always look for value added in new things.
1: Thank you so much. Um, first and foremost, when you talk about cleaning up the duplications in some of the regs, you're absolutely right. And that's exactly some of the work that's being done right now. If we want to get drugs to market in a more timely fashion, I think that there's work that can be done to get rid of that repetitiveness, and that's some of the work that is underway right now. Um, So thank you for those comments. With respect to the Canadian Drug Agency that we want to create, um, the mandate of that agency that I see for sure is at least twofold, and I'm sure there's going to be other added responsibilities that are going to be added there. Again, as we've indicated, and Dr. Hoskins and his council members have made it very clear that the foundational piece of a national pharmacare program, whatever format that's going to look like, we absolutely need to make sure that we have the the drug agency. So I was pleased that in Budget 2019 that we had the initial funding for that. The first part of the mandate of the drug agency will first and foremost to to negotiate the prices of drugs. We recognize that in this country we have over 100,000 private drug plans uh, in the country, we have 13 provinces and territories and different drug plans there. So when you stop and think of everyone that is negotiating drug prices, everyone is doing it in silos. So our negotiation power is pretty small. So if we put these groups all together, we'll certainly be able to see an increase in our negotiation power. And a big part of the, of the drug agency will be to do exactly that. So that's one big part of their job. The other part as well, though, which is really, really complicated, is putting together a national formulary. What is that going to look like? And I know that Dr. Hoskins and his council members have spoken, you know, to all of the um, provincial health ministers uh, and many, many stakeholders. As I've indicated, they've, had over thir- they've met with over 32,000 Canadians. And what exists in one jurisdiction doesn't necessarily exist in another So putting together a consistent drug formulary is going to be a huge job. And the drug agency's mandate will be to look at that as well. Not only just to put together the formulary, but we also know there's so much advancements that are being done in this area is also maintaining this drug formulary. So that will be a a huge part of their job as well. Um, And again, if it was easy, I think that probably many people would have done this a long time ago. But I can tell you... um, I see the urgency in, in moving forward in this and uh, we certainly recognize that we want to make sure that Canadians have access to drugs and also we want to make sure that they're affordable. So the, the, the agency, that's going to be their two main roles. But again, as indicated, there's going to be an awful lot of more responsibilities that are going to be put there. And you're absolutely right when you talk about the Pan-Canadian Pharmaceutical Alliance. With respect, you know, they've done tremendous work. If we look over the past, you know, five years, we've saved approximately close to $2 billion every year. So they've done some good work. But I think, again, if we can increase our negotiation power, we'll be able to see even more savings there as well. Um, So, you know, with respect to what do we see, that agency look like right now that's you know the snapshot of it right now but again our work is underway you know to continue to kind of fill their basket there to see all of the, the responsibilities that they are going to
4: have okay. good morning Minister Janet Yale with the Arthritis Society uh, appreciate many of your comments and uh, and uh, we certainly support a lot of the initiatives that you're doing to address access and affordability issues for people living with uh, both acute and chronic conditions. I guess I'd love to hear some more of your thoughts around the balancing act that we have to think about. On the one hand, where we want to re- reduce prices and create that consistency that's going to allow us to create savings. On the other hand, when you think of people with arthritis who has, whose lives have been re- transformed, really, by biologic uh, treatments, one of the things we always have to keep in mind as patient advocates is that it's not a one-size-fits-all solution. By their definition, biologics work differently on different people, so different people, and so it's it, it's hard to imagine that one drug in any class is the right solution. And yet, on the other hand, the tension is that we get better cost savings if we do restrict choice. So, and we think about more and more treat-to-target solutions that are going to come along. I wonder if you could just share some thoughts about how we continue to balance that desire to make sure that people have a broad range of choices, recognizing that different drugs work best on different people, and on the other hand, the desire to simplify so that there can be that joint purchasing and cost savings, uh, which obviously are, are important to achieve as well. It's a tough balancing act, and I wonder if you have some thoughts on it.
1: It truly is a tough balancing act, and that's why, again, we don't have all the answers when it comes to exactly what this national pharmacare program you know, is going to look like. And those are the tough conversations that we're going to have to have. You know? And the drug agency as well is going to have to you know, in, engage in these types of conversations, and they're not just with us, they're with provinces and territories. Belonging to a federated country uh, has its benefits, but also, I can tell you, it can create some challenges as well. Uh, But again, we certainly want to make sure that we get this right. We want to make sure that we have a program uh, that is going to meet the needs of Canadians. Uh, And again, those are the types of conversations that we're going to have to have with all levels of government there to see exactly what that's going to look like. We certainly recognize there's a lot of innovation, a lot of research that is being done right now. Uh, I just came from my hometown in Moncton, New Brunswick, and visited uh, a centre there that's you know pr- um, specialising in precision medicine and everything that's happening there. It's really, really exciting. It's cutting edge. But what does that look like? You know what I mean? For our country. So those are the types of conversations. And again, we don't have all the answers to it, uh, but we certainly are, want to get hard at work and are hard at work to make sure that we get this right to meet the needs of Canadians.
5: I am 77, so I I know what the drug program is. It's certainly free in Ontario and it's wonderful. And I'm a retired public servant, so I crank it into Sun Life and I pay zero. I have no idea what my drugs are costing me per year because all I see is a zero thing when I go to Shopper's Drug Mart to pick it up. So I would love to see an education, maybe let people know exactly what it's costing. And there are other alternatives to drugs. And I'll give you an example. Arthritis. I happen to... (laughs) Happened to have had been on three different pills, including one for rheumatoid arthritis. I went off to a really good physiotherapist here in Ottawa on Wilbrot. They got me fixed up in four sessions. I'm off all pills. So my point is, I'm not low income, but a lot of people are in this country. And I'm not sure, can they get physio? Um, no idea, but I don't think so. Anyway, so I'd love to see education, how much things are costing, and... Um, Pills aren't always the answer, and I know we're not saying that this morning, but I was on a rheumatoid arthritis, and I was like, the pill was fine taking it. You felt like you had just swallowed drain cleaner by the time you were on it. You can't have a whole bunch of things. You can't have alcohol. You can't be in the sun. You can't have spicy foods, and you can't have coffee, so you almost can't live. So anyway. (laughs) It's the big four. (laughs) Yeah, starting with wine.
1: (laughs) I'm with you. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, I think that when it comes to setting up our healthcare system to meet the needs of the 21st century, um, we have to do things differently. Uh, what worked, you know, decades ago, you know, probably still works to some extent, but we certainly have to gear up. We, we have to set up our healthcare system very, very differently. And when we look at prevention, uh, you know, and awareness, again, that is key. My mother, who's now 94, used to always say, Jeanette, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And when I was younger and she'd say that to me, I kind of thought, what is she talking about? But I can tell you, as Canada's health minister, I certainly see the benefits, you know, of investing, you know, in public education and awareness and prevention. So you're right. We we, we need to do things differently. And many Canadians are absolutely not aware of the price of medication and the cost because of perhaps that they do have access to plans. And I'm one of those fortunate ones as well. But I can tell you, when I work with my clients and they would see the price when we get to the pharmacy, um... You know, it was a, shicker, a sticker shock to them. Um, so more work absolutely needs to be done, uh, and I certainly agree with you
0: 100%. I do want to follow up, though, on the uh, the, the question of education um, and public education, and um, I, I think your, your point's well made in terms of uh, educating Canadians on uh, the true cost of our, of our health system. Is there something there that uh, y- you feel is within your mandate um, and in your purview to do between now and hopefully through to your next mandate? Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> do, you see, do, you, do you agree that that, is, that, that that is an important role for the Ministry of Health?
1: Absolutely it is. You know, Because once again, I think that people just certainly don't recognize the cost of our health care system. I'm going to give you just another example of someone that I met not that long ago. She ended up going to the States receiving uh, a medical procedure that had been approved by Canada to go to Boston to get done. The hospital, however, made an error and didn't send the bill uh, to the, the insurance company. It sent the bill to her home. She had no idea of the price that this procedure cost the province of Ontario. It was a real sticker shock for her. You know what I mean? Not knowing at all. So I think you're absolutely right. The same applies for you know our healthcare systems, our medications, our you know our prescription. The list goes on. As a role as a health uh, minister, it certainly could be. You know what I mean? A responsibility that we could certainly take on. Um, and again, the issue of, of uh, awareness and prevention and all of the other. Um, tools that we have in our toolbox to address, you know, chronic disease and disease uh, in general. We certainly, you know, have to look outside the box to effectively
6: deal with them. Good morning, and uh, thank you very much, uh, uh, Minister. um, I'm a recovering uh, provincial bureaucrat uh, from another province, but um, I'm interested in a different angle on the pharmacare, and that is how um, the federal government is proposing to work with the provinces and territories on this. There's been a lot of talk this morning on cost, but as you know, uh, your government transfers an enormous amount of money to the provinces and territories every year as part of the health transfer, but they don't get involved in the cost of physician services, the union agreements, things of this nature. So we're having this great conversation going on, and the variability of expenditure per person by province is radically different. So Newfoundland and Labrador is the highest in the country, and let's just say they have a barely adequate public drug plan versus Quebec, which is the lowest expenditure per capita in the country, have a fairly robust plan. So what is the intention or the approach that the federal government is considering on how do you work with provinces and territories and how they have chosen historically to allocate resources on behalf of their respective citizenry?
1: Fantastic question, and that was one of the big challenges as we move forward with respect to this. Why did we choose Dr. Hoskins to chair the Advisory Council? Well, number one, he's a strong advocate for pharmacare. Number two, he's a doctor. And number three, and very importantly, he's a former health minister uh, of Ontario. So as a result, we really thought that he had what it took to lead this national conversation. We've asked the Advisory Council not just to provide us with options with respect to what the PharmaCare program, you know, could look like, but also a path forward to answer exactly those types of questions. Dr. Hoskins is able to have a frank chat with a real chuck and jive with the health ministers because, you know, he's been in their their position. He absolutely understands the challenges that provinces face, the fiscal challenges that they face and the pressures. Uh, and that's why that we felt that he was the, a good person for the job. And also he could have those frank conversations with them. And I've got to be frank with respect to uh, Dr. Hoskins. He's told us that the feedback that he received from all Uh, provincial health ministers and some finance ministers was that they were cautiously optimistic about our approach moving forward. Uh, So again, looking at kind of the funding formula and all of that, that's a big part of, you know, a a very complex discussion, but those are the types of things, you know what I mean, that we've asked, um, you know, Hoskins and his group to really embark on. Uh, Because we recognize a national pharmacare program doesn't come without cost. We also recognize that, as I've indicated earlier, that Provinces and territories have some form of plans that exist for different age groups, let it be seniors or low-income individuals, uh, and their formularies are all very, very different. So just having that conversation and, and embarking on this is complex. And that's why we say, is the National Pharmacare program going to be in place in September? No. We know that there's a lot of work that needs to be done here to get this done right. But to get it done right, we absolutely need to have a plan. And that's why that we are taking our, our time to make sure that that, that we, we do it right. Um, so moving forward, you know, again, I'm truly looking forward to seeing that report in the next uh, few weeks, um, next month or so, and uh, then from there to be able to continue on the good work that needs to be done.
0: Minister, thank you very much for your time today. I think uh, we are, we're over by a minute or two. So um, I'd want to thank you very much for being here. Um I'd like to invite you back once the report is uh is for public consumption. Um and uh I'd like the room to give the minister a warm round of applause. Thank you very much. Fast, safe and reliable Interact e transfer is one of the best ways to send, request and receive money. In fact, Canadians used the service to complete 371 million transactions in 2018 alone. That's nearly 11 times the population of Canada. Learn more at newsroom.interact.ca.